Hey, guys. Huh. Check this out. And welcome to Check This Out, a podcast where we take an analytical view of the media that appeals to us as individuals and why. I am Elle, your host, and with me today is special guest and enemy of the show, Lilith. If you would, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Lilith. Um, I am a sometime actual play podcaster slash nerd slash person ish <laughs> I mean that's the, about the most any of us can hope for these days this is true <laughs> now you're bringing something to the table that you enjoy and are passionate about it uh, could yes. you talk a little bit about it in your own words yes I am here to talk about the thing I have tattooed on me that I have loved since I was a wee young person many moons ago, which is uh, The Discworld by Sir Terry Pratchett. May he rest in peace. Which is basically the story of a disc carried on the back of four elephants on the back of Great Atuin, the world total, who unfortunately we don't know whether they are male or female, so they are non-binary. Oh no, the, the horror. I know, right? Um, it started off many, many moons ago as satire of the fantasy genre. And evolved into satire of absolutely everything in the modern world, including trains. It probably would have gone to the underground even if uh, Sir Terry had lasted long enough. It covers growing up, growing old, passing away. The best character in the world, or on the disc, has got to be... Death, who quite often has a near other character experience apart from, uh, instead of the character having a near death experience, which is always fun. Uh, cool. So I have my prepared list of questions that's designed to delve a little bit in- deeper into that enjoyment of yours, if that's all right. Absolutely. What would you say if I said no? Uh, thank everyone for listening and shut it down right there. <laughs> Luckily, I'm not going to do that then. Hmm. Strangely enough, no one ever does. Yeah, funny that. I wonder what that's about. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, question one. Imagine I was someone who's recently been awoken from a coma or resurrected from being frozen in ice or even an inanimate object gifted knowledge of modern times and sentience. Essentially, I know what media is, but I've never experienced any. How would you explain Discworld without comparing it to something that I wouldn't know? Um, Discworld is a microcosm of the world, basically. In fact, in one area of the books, they create Realmworld, which is Earth. Uh, So basically, yeah, it is a... Slightly warped mirror to the world. Fair enough. I mean, that's pretty concise. Thank you. Uh, Question two. Hypothetically, Mm -hmm. our positions are reversed, and I'm guesting on your immensely popular and award-winning podcast. I've just answered the previous question with your response verbatim. So what stood out to you the most? The view of the world through a different lens. It's always good to be able to poke fun at things and very serious things, which Sir Terry always had a knack of doing. 
I think. Yeah, because it takes like an amount of knowledge to even begin to think about things like that. It does. But then also the the balance of compassion for those topics rather than yeah. just being a teardown. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Terry covered gender norms and gender barriers and that sort of thing long before it was as well known Popular. as it is now. Yes, back in the days of, in fact, just towards the end of the, the infamous Section 28 law in the UK. So I'm I'm not familiar with that, so you might have to explain that a little bit for me and the rest of the listeners. Yeah, Section 28 was a, a law that was passed by the infamous Margaret Thatcher, uh, which basically banned the teaching of any ideology that wasn't the typical nuclear family of mum, dad and 2.4 kids or whatever that percentage is now so basically you weren't allowed to be taught any form of LGBTQIA plus information at all at school which is why at 42 I now discover I am non-binary and god knows what else which is fun <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, life was a lie. But there you go, it happens. Luckily, that's all in the past and there's nothing but good times ahead. No comment. Certainly nothing happening in current news. (laughs) No, not at all. I would love to see what Sir Terry did with what's happening in the world today. The whole... The spin he would put on the whole anti-vax movement and the whole anti-maskers and all of this rubbish, it would be delightful. can just imagine Granny Weatherwax and Nanny Og, particularly Granny Weatherwax, applying headology to the anti-vaxxers and kicking their butts. It would have been so good. And for the record, check, check this out, is a Provax Pro Mask podcast. Deal with it. Yep. Question three. We can tell that this is a subject that you care about, but what got you to give it a chance in the first place? That would be my dad. My dad got me into the Discworld. He bought me my first Discworld book back when I was... Probably in my late tweens. No, I must have been about 11, 12 or younger. And he presented me with this book with a garish cover um, called Mort, which is the story of Death's Apprentice. And uh, the way he tries to deal with teenage crushes and changing the whole of the space-time continuum. Yeah, just regular regular adolescent issues. Absolutely, yes. When he's left alone to do the what is known as the rounds with Binky, the absolutely gorgeous white horse, who death decided on after trying the skeletal version, which just kept falling apart and was a bit uncomfortable, and the fiery steed who just kept uh, setting fire to his bedding, which is not good when you're a horse. Probably expensive too. Yeah, probably. But yeah, Dad was a much as much of a book nerd as me and he got me into a lot of different authors and different styles all the way from uh, books like Titus Grown when I was 13 
all the way through Discworld, uh, sci-fi, proper serious fantasy as well. But Pratchett is the one that I always came back to. And those covers are some of the best things about them too. Oh, God, absolutely, yes. The art of Paul Kidby for the newer ones and I can't remember his name. That's going to bug me now. You're free to look it up. I cannot remember the name of the author who did the first one, the first covers. Let's have a look. Because I've seen some of the recent uh, editions. Are just It has a, an all-black cover with yes. one little picture on the front. It's like, eh, it's, where is the charm? No, it was originally Josh Kirby, and then it uh, Paul Kidby took over. Um, yeah, so Paul Kidby, uh, Josh Kirby, and Paul Kidby, which is why it gets very confusing. <laughs> but Josh did the the iconic. Uh, cover art that wraps around the whole book and Paul yeah. Kidby kind of expanded on that. Yeah, just the multicoloured chaos. Yes. Every time you look at the cover, you always spot something new that you didn't realise was there. It, it's like Where's Wally, except interesting. Absolutely, Yes. And we can we can say that because that's the actual name, not Waldo, you American people. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes, it is. I was going to say something much worse than people, but... <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Although, to be fair, that does make odd lore a little bit weird then. Uh, yeah. But he was just odd, so it works. Yeah. Uh, question four it might sound a little bit ridiculous, this one. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people, a sense of community and like-mindedness are integral to their enjoyment of something. To your knowledge, is there a community around Discworld that you're aware of? If so, what are they like? Oh my god, yes. Yes, there is. They are the nicest people going. Um, they were embraced by Terry as well. So you have uh, conventions, just pure Discworld conventions across the world. You have Australians doing um, very good productions of some of the short stories from Discworld. You've got um, people who just like to sit and read them. And if you spot someone reading a Pratchett book, you know they have good taste uh, and they will be lovely human beings 99% of the time. You can't read Terry and not be a nice person. Now, how does that factor in with um, the Neil Gaiman crossovers? Uh, Also good. Um, So Good Omens is... Pretty much the only one. Um, and they worked really well together. You cannot see the ma- the blend between them. You can't see... And in fact, the uh, Neil Gaiman now says, and Terry used to say, that they would each pull out something and say, that's really good, Terry wrote that. And then Terry would turn around to Neil and say, uh, no. You wrote that. I didn't write that. So they can't even pick it out. Um, but the the friendship of Neil and Terry has translated into the fans of them both as well, especially if they have read Good Omens, which if you haven't, you should. It may not be a Discworld book, but it is excellent. I, I guess that answers a later question then, but... It's also like you don't have that fear of like, not that it would happen, but like the gaming fans coming in being the the edgy outcasts that really want to put other people down versus the 
the soft, ever-loving Pratchett fans? No, not at all. Um, 90% of the people who love Terry also love Neil. Um, Just their styles and their um, personalities are so similar. Um, But you just have the people who prefer graphic novels and the people who prefer written novels merging into one because they both have a similar style of writing and they both have similar ways of holding a mirror up to the world and what's going on in it, I think. Which then gets a little bit confusing when you have the Discworld graphic novels. Yes, yes. Which, Which are I also very good. Yeah. yeah, I have um, The Last Heroes, I think, the only one I've got, but I am looking at getting the others at some point to add to my collection of at least two copies of 90% of the books. Some of them I have three copies, some of them I have more than that. Because you can never have too many Pratchett books. I I regret to say that I have not had I do not have the complete set of the works yet, but that's mostly that's, because of my issues with the covers. That is fair. I have all of them in that the older style, and then some of the newer yeah. ones come out, and they're only in that minimalist, depressing style. Yeah, there is that. Um, although I think. You can get them in the the newer style, or you could at one point in the older style. Sorry, but more the it would be more the uh, poor Kidby style, which are ones that you see in things like uh, the cover of the books about Brain Gone. That's good. Things like he crosses in for the Tiffany Aching books. Those sort of covers are the the ones that are more the Paul Kidby style as opposed to the other style. But then they minimised it and stuff. Yeah. Like, I had a similar issue with uh, the Wheel of Time series until not relatively recently. I don't know what you're talking about. The Wheel of Time doesn't exist. Yeah, someone made it up. It's it's a sick joke. (laughs) But no, it's like they had all the same style of covers and then they started changing it. For a few different editions. Yeah. yeah. I really want to read it, but I can't. It puts me off. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, but Terry Pratchett also wrote a whole load of games. And his daughter took after him and wrote lots of games. Um, there are, I think, at least two or three computer games. Of which I have only played one, which was Discworld Noir, and I didn't get far in that because I didn't own it, a friend did, and then I went away to uni, so couldn't play it anymore. I remember playing the demo version of Discworld 2. Yeah. It's just like, oh, this looks weird. Yeah, it, it did look weird, but it was good fun. Um, and there is also an RPG that I am desperately trying to get my hands on. It's um, uh, RPG in what sense? A still video game or no, no. tabletop? Tabletop RPG. It's a GURPS system, which I don't know much about, but it looks so much fun. It's got all the different races, the humans, dwarves, vampires, werewolves, the witches, the wizards, beings from the dungeon dimensions. I think it's even got the Wormberg in it. 
I've got a friend who has a copy of the book and I'm desperately trying to persuade them to sell it to me. Because I need to own it. No, all, all the classic D&D races. Yeah, because it started off as a a, a mick take of, you know, the Tolkien-esque up-itself fantasy. Mm. It also, how can I forget, has the undead as well, and zombies, and golems, and the longest-serving head of the Lawyers Guild, who is a zombie. As you do. Mm -hmm. Now I'm just reminded that in the early edition, like the first editions of D&D, Elf was a class. Was it? That is something I did not know. Elf and Dwarf, I think, were just extra classes. So you could be a, a... fighter or warrior, I think it was at the time, a wizard, uh-huh. a cleric, a rogue, an elf, or a dwarf. Fair. Okay. And it's just like that. that is uh, an interesting choice, but I can appreciate the history of where it's come from. Yes. I can see why. Uh, evolving from war games and all, yeah. Yeah. And question five, there are many aspects of media that resonate differently with different people. What is your favourite part? Of Discworld? Hmm. All of it? I mean, you picked it. I didn't. I know. (laughs) Um, It's got to be the characters. You have, if you read the books in order, which I do not, of writing, which I do not suggest, you can see... Not only Terry's style of writing and his character style and everything evolving, he gives his characters an arc. Even a character that is, in theory, as unchanging as death has a character arc. You can pick up any of the Discworld books at any point, whether they be a standalone novel or one of the ones that forms part of a sort of enclosed arc type of thing, Um, like the, dare I say, watch books that are absolutely brilliant, but I am not going to mention the travesty that is the TV series based... um, not even loosely based on them. They have stolen names and that's it. And yeah, no. But all the characters within those individual books are standalone. You don't need to know the history to be able to read about them. Yeah, it's such a shame that when they released the TV series that shall not be mentioned, they came around to everyone's house to steal the copies and burn them. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Still, you know, you learn to live with what you got. Yeah, and you just avoid it like the plague. Oh, yeah. Now, you did mention something interesting in there that you wouldn't recommend reading them in publication order. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you have a preferred, like, method that is a standard or is it just a listen-to-your-heart type of thing? It's more of a listen-to-your-heart. The... First two books, which are The Colour of Magic and The Light Fantastic, are completely different to the rest of the books because they are the first two that he wrote that were purely a piss take of what at that point was, well, what still is, high fantasy. Um, And that evolved and changed over time to be... um, a mirror to our own world. Um, I started personally with Mort, um, which is a standalone book, introduces you to a few of the main characters like Death, um, has some follow-on books that uh, don't include Mort but include his daughter. Um, 
or go for the city books um, or the watch books and ignore the TV series completely. Um, the other good ones to start with is something like Pyramids, which is a completely standalone. Um, it does start in Ankh-Morpork, Park, which is the main city of the disc, but it's actually based in the Discworld's version of ancient Egypt, which is fun. Does explain the title then? Yes, yes. Um, soul music is also a good one. Um, it's kind of semi-standalone, but it does feature Death's daughter in it. It's the first, uh, sorry, Death's granddaughter. It is the first outing of her, if I remember rightly, and she is brilliant. Um, or go for the classic witch series with Granny Weatherwax, who is my favourite character after death. And the death of rats. They're all just so good. I, I remember in a discussion getting a little bit of flack for saying that soul music was my favourite because it's apparently a very weird choice. Hmm. You wouldn't have got it from me because I love soul music. Um, but no, yeah, this it was, is uh, years before. Fair. Um, it is a strange one compared to the others, but the number of pop references in there and the main character being Buddy and his Clamedos name being a translation of Buddy Holly. It's just great. And the fact that he looks a bit elfish. Yeah. Just... I think that's that's from my dad loves a lot of like music from, quote, his era. Yeah. So he instilled a lot of that in me. So I guess that's partly what carries it over. Quite probably, yeah. Because it, it does reference the Rolling Stones. It references... Um, how stupid on the outside band t-shirts are it it is really good the other really good one that i love that i quite often get flack for is moving pictures that that was going to be my other one as a like a second second pick yeah because like again that's semi standalone you've got gaspod in it who is a semi-recurring character and it's basically the story of Hollywood yeah. which I, I it must be which, something about the the idea of ideas who come too soon or what however it's explained yeah that sort of sub-series that appeals to me yeah have you read the one about the railways, whose name I cannot remember at the moment. I uh, don't believe so. Something um, steam. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. That might be because, like, as I mentioned with the issue with the covers, it's just like mm. that's the only version I've seen of it, and I'm put off by it. But I do need to. I do need to finish them eventually. <laughs> no, that name. I mean, is on it. On a, gonna, on a morbid note, it's not like they're going to be any more. I've got time to catch that. up. Yes, and I have yeah. read the last book. Um, which is... It's obvious that it did not have the final Terry Pratchett polish added to it. It's still a very good story, but you can see that it's... The bare bones. He hadn't gone back in to polish it when he passed. Yeah. Unfortunately, but there's not much we can do about that. Yet. No, there's not much we can do about that. They destroyed all his hard drives and notes. Yeah, fair. On his orders, so there will be no more 
Discworld books. Unfortunately. I was thinking more something in the realm of mad science and reanimation, but yeah, fair. Oh, there is that. Yeah, of course. I forgot about that one. Um, the book I'm ref- was thinking of is Raising Steam. It was his penultimate book. Raising Steam. There we go. Yeah. I was thinking generating? No, that's just something that happens. Yeah. Raising Steam. Uh, question six. Following on from the previous question, if we can remember it, uh, what do you think will appeal most to the general public? If they're anything like me, it will be seeing the world through a different light. It helps you put things in perspective. It helps you to stop and think about what's going on in the world and how it's being spun. Like right now, The Truth would be a really good book to read because that one is about papers and newspaper and news articles and the beginnings of journalism in Discworld, but it you can tell that Terry used to work as a journalist. He picks up a whole load of stuff on how it all works. Yeah, it's like a little bit too inside to be just someone who gets close. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's like the line in Good Omens, um, which in the TV series is voiced by the person who played Terry in a kind of semi-documentary um, where the um, reactor core of a nuclear power station goes missing. Uh, and the thing to remember is Sir Terry used to work as the press officer for British Nuclear Energy. So he gets all of the sarcasm and the derision that he wants, he probably wanted to do while doing that job in one little line in that book, and it's just perfect. And I guess that line would be... I knew you were going to ask that. Um, He gets asked a question about where the power is coming from because the power is still coming from this generator and he or the character in the story just turns around and goes, we don't know. We were hoping you brainy buggers at the BBC would know or something along those lines. I am now going to have to find the the quote so I can get it exact. Hey, it's only fair you're giving me homework. Yeah. He also talks about it uh, not bubbling enough. Uh, Okay, so the one in the book is slightly different to the one that's in this TV series. In the book, it's um, asked by the journalist, uh, surely you have considered terrorist activity? Uh, There's another pause. Then the spokesman said, in the quiet tones of someone who has had enough and who is going to quit after this and raise chickens somewhere. Yes, I suppose we must. All we need to do is find some terrorists who are capable of taking an entire nuclear reactor out of its can while it's running and without anyone noticing. It weighs about a thousand tons and is 40 feet high, so they'll be quite strong terrorists. Perhaps you'd like to ring them up, sir, and ask them questions in that supercilious accusatory way of yours. Which um, is very Pratchett from what I, from what I know. It is very, very Pratchett. I'm going to see if I can find the one from the book, uh, from the TV series. I'm just thinking, I have the script book somewhere, but not near me. So, no, 
It's gone. It's it's out there in the ether. If you want to know what it is, watch the series. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, question seven. Say that I do end up enjoying this because of your excellent recommendation. What would be your number one follow-up? doesn't necessarily have to be a sequel or anything, but where would I turn if I wanted more of the same? Neil Gaiman um, is a good one. Uh, another one who might not be as easy to find in your neck of the woods is Robert Rankin. He has written such books as uh, Sex, Drugs and Rock and Roll, uh, Armageddon the Musical, Armageddon 2, the B-movie, Armageddon 3, Name Gone. Uh, he has also written Waiting for Godalming, uh, the Telecom communicon or something like that and he writes what is ba- he calls uh far-fetched fiction he also has elvis and a time traveling spout- sprout called barry like in real life or in the books okay because that was going to be a very serious question <laughs> to come out later yeah, no, that is in the Armageddon series, um, and they are all based in a borough of London whose name currently escapes me again. Brentford. Uh, set in Brentford. He has a whole series of books set in Brentford. Um, the other thing to look at would be Douglas Adams and the Hitchhikers if you want something along the same lines something that's just like ubiquitously everyone's read this or seen this or whatever and I'm just like I haven't (laughs) The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I unknowingly reference a lot and it's only when I get pulled up by people who don't know what I'm talking about that I realise how much I do it my son has a snake named Slarty Bartfast after a character in Hitchhiker's Guide it's great and the meaning of life, the universe and everything is 42 very important to know that Apparently. I I hear that a lot. Yes, and Earth was created in order to allow the mice to calculate the question to the ultimate answer of life, the universe and everything, which is 42. But unfortunately, it was demolished just before they got the answer out. Fair enough. (laughs) Uh, Question eight. Sometimes our engagement with a piece of media comes from a position of relativity. Did you have a character that you related to? And if so, what drew you to them? Um, I had a few characters that I was drawn to as I was growing up and got older. Now, I tend to resonate with... Cherry the the Dwarf, or Cherry the Dwarf, who broke out of gender norms because all dwarves are male. And there's a very delicate dance to find out whether the dwarf you fancy is of the right sex to procreate with. And she was the first dwarf to be... Out and proud female. And just that whole feeling of exploring your gender and trying to work out who you are and to ignore what society is telling you just resonates with me right now. 
I have always loved Granny Weatherwax as well, who is a loner, who actually needs people and is very gruff and a loner. I've already said that, but it bears repeating. Yes, I mean, sometimes that's the that's the focal point of a character is just like some of their flaws as yeah. far as people view it. Yeah. Nanny, uh, Granny Weatherwax is all what people would see as flaws. However, they get the job done. And um, in her own way, she cares deeply about everyone, but she believes that everyone should find their own way. And there's no point um, molly coddling them and, you know, pandering to them to get them to do what they need to do. And I, in my past and still do, need that kick to get me to do stuff. I mean, important lessons for everyone, really. Absolutely. Uh, question nine. A lot of these types of interviews rely on the question of what would you bring with you to a desert island in order to get to know a person? That's not this show. What we ask instead is to picture this f the following scenario. You're on a deserted island with no hope of rescue, but food, water, shelter, and everything like that has been taken care of so that you won't succumb before your natural time. You've also been provided with a single piece of media and the means to engage with it, and for you it is a Discworld series. How frequently would you utilise it, and how long would it take for you to be sick of it? Okay. This question is interesting, because I am... The age that is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. I have reread the Discworld books numerous times over the three decades that I have been aware of them. And I'm still not bored, and I still go back to them. Uh, the Hogfather, I read every Christmas um, without fail. Um, the others I will periodically just start at the beginning and work my way through. So I will never get sick of it. And I've managed to last three decades of reading it without getting bored. So don't think I'm going to get bored anytime soon. Yeah, so it it is an interesting question, at least for me as well, because like I find my tolerance for re-experiencing re a thing is very low. I, I can't really enjoy a thing if I know too much about how it goes. So it's like I will gladly reread the Discworld series at some point. Uh, I think I'm finally getting to that point where I might be able to read them through for a third time. And <laughs> it's been, what, 20 years? Fair. Um, I have, I suppose, the advantage of because of the way my brain is wired, I forget stuff a lot. And I also have a habit of not always taking in what I'm reading. So I am able to reread things. A lot, and if I enjoy them, I can do it even more. There are books that I can't reread because there's nothing extra to them, if you know what I mean. You know, you can read. You've squeezed all the narrative juice out. Yeah. Whereas with the Discworld, I've found that every time I read it, it resonates with me differently because I'm in a different stage of my life. So, Granny Weatherwax. I have grown up reading about her. When I was younger, she was the authority figure that was the one that was always gruff and told you stuff but you always listened to. Now she's more a mentor and someone you look up to in a different way. 
and just seeing how my the way I see the characters change as I have gotten older and got more experience under my belt especially characters like uh, Cherry I resonate with her so much more now than I did, ever did when I first picked up the books I now understand why she was doing what she was doing and how she was doing it. And the fact that Terry was able to write characters like that, that were completely different to the way he was, but actually capture all those little nuances and thought processes into a character was miraculous. We have lost an excellent storyteller and an excellent person, an excellent viewer of people. That is all the questions that I had, so thank you for indulging me. You are more than welcome. I didn't pester you for ages. Sorry, what was that? I didn't pester you for ages to get on at all. Uh, hopefully that's given people a little bit of a deeper insight into your perspective hopefully and before i ruin the show by talking for myself it's time for everyone's actual favorite part a word from the sponsors (laughs) thank you sponsors that really was an excellent ad read absolutely Uh, Buy several of their products unless it's the Army or Casino. Absolutely. Uh, Play safe. Now, I have a follow-up review from last episode's Enemy of the Show and self-proclaimed hat captain, Chris, and his recommendation of Cracker Jack. Is this something that you're familiar with? Cracker Jack. I am and I'm not. Cracker Jack is something that my mum used to go on and on about. Um, so it's something I'm definitely aware of and I probably watched it as a young child but it's not something I recall all that much Fair Uh, So Cracker Jack is an immensely Australian uh, sports comedy drama I would say Okay in that case, um, Cracker Jack over here is something completely different. <laughs> uh, makes sense. It's uh, yeah. not a common word, but, it, you know, you're bound to get some overlap eventually. Absolutely. Yeah. We all speak the same language and completely uh, misunderstand yeah, each other. So it is the story of a bit of a, like... <laughs> Bit of a prick, but in the lovable Australian way of being a prick, as you can be, who is a member of the local lawn bowls club, specifically because their parking lot is close enough for his work. Okay. the only reason he's a member. And he also has a couple of other memberships under his belt, so he can, like, rent out other parking spaces to his mates. Cool. Uh, then big business decides to move in and try to take over the the small battling club, as it were, to try and put in excess pokey machines. So that's what you do with a club, apparently. Okay. And then the, the bowls club decides to try and bring in a ringer for the competition to maintain the rights. And because they're all... In their 60s and over, you know, what better than to troll the members for the young blood? Yeah, I can see that. Turns out he's a, he's a little bit of a prodigy with it, but just does not care. <laughs> but eventually, you know, it, it's the typical, you know, the 80s teen uh, sports comedy thing where it's like, oh, we've got to save the rec centre. Oh, yeah. And we can only do that by winning this uh, conveniently placed dance competition that will give us just enough money to win. 
Yep, I know that one well. Yeah. But instead of like, oh, it's $6 million, it's, it's very low stakes. Because it's like, oh, yeah, you just need $50, but coincidentally... The comedy is passable, I would say. It's not like wall-to-wall bangers, but it's not like hearing paint dry for 90 minutes or however long it was. There's some some that uh, that land better. There's some that just like, uh, yeah, I get it. Come on. But it... If you like a comfy movie, I, I would say give it a try. Hmm. I will give it a two and a half out of five stars. Definitely worth a crack then. Yeah, it, hence the name. Absolutely, yes. You see <laughs> over here, Crackjack is a, or was, a long-running Saturday morning TV show from... I think 1964 to about 1980-something. So, completely different. Created slime before Nickelodeon did in the States. They always like to steal that from us, but no. We created it back in the 1950s. Oh, there's so, yeah. part of me that wants to make a very bad joke here, but I'm going to refrain, I think. <laughs> now screw it. It, it was uh, invented for the Blitz and the anti-German movements. I just couldn't <laughs> figure out how to weaponize it properly. Uh, it's slightly later than that, but yeah. Rationing yeah, was still I mean, in they, place. Yeah, they, they couldn't figure it out in time, and then the war ended, and they're like, well, we've got it. We've got it now. What else can we do with it? That is fair. Yeah, that that passes. Now, before we wrap up this, the final ever episode of Check This Out for this recording session, and the fourteenth <laughs> time I've made that joke, uh, can you tell the audience where they might find you online and if you have anything to spruik? Um, you can find me on a couple of actual play podcasts that. Um, may or may not also include your lovely host uh, on Final Show Films. Um, You can find me online occasionally. Um, And if you happen to like Sans Pants and are ever in the Sans Pants Discord, I am all over that shit. Honestly, how good? How good? (laughs) And on that note, I've been Elle. I've been Lilth. And this has been Check This Out, a podcast of media positivity. And remember, don't kiss a gift horse in the mouth.